a safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Coming up on our Relationship Hour, Relationships and the Law, Maître Linda Hammerschmidt will be here to answer your questions. And one of the ones I have for her is based on last night's conversation about interfaith relationships. And some issues came up about how to raise the kids. And could this be put into a prenuptial agreement? That's one of the questions we'll ask her. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion at 514-800. All right, let me answer some of your questions. Some of you have sent them to me by uh, by email to laurie at drlaurie.com uh, as well, or 514-800 if you'd like to send them in. Uh, I was just wondering if ginseng can be used as a replacement for Viagra. So I actually have looked into the research on ginseng, which is known in Chinese medicine as basically the king of all herbs, and it's uh, generally used in traditional uh, Chinese medicine to to like to boost overall health and and general well-being. So there are mostly animal studies, and they found in mice that it boosts libido. There have been a few uh, human studies that used uh, Korean red ginseng, and I read a couple of them. And um, for men who use this, it it has to be used three times a day uh, for 8 to 12 weeks or so. I mean, it's a continuous thing that you'd have to use it. Uh, They did show improvement in erectile uh, function. So it's very different than a Viagra, which acts on the spot, uh, meaning you you take it an hour before and uh, then with stimulation, you get the erection and the immediate blood flow. When you're talking about supplements or some Chinese medicines or what have you, they work over time. So you, it's something that you would have to reg- regularly uh, take in your, uh, just with your, as a supplement, basically. So there have been some studies, but not at all the same as what you're getting in Viagra, which is sildenafil, which is um, uh, a chemical that basically uh, opens up the blood vessels uh, in, in the penis, but it works on the brain. So it, it doesn't work independently of what's going on on the brain, which is why you need to have, uh, arousal and stimulation to get your erection, even using, um, Viagra. I'm a 76 year old male and haven't had sex for 10 years as a result of my late wife's illness. I have met lady friends, but have difficulty achieving and maintaining a solid erection, even through the use of ED aids, such as Cialis and Viagra, I was not able to achieve this erection. Is there something that can be done, or am I just going to have to face the fact that I am old? So the majority of 76-year-olds are still having sex, by the way, if they have a partner. Uh, Only about 25% require medication. Most men can maintain, can have an erection good enough for penetration, not as good as it once was, but good enough uh, for penetration. I'm wondering if your problem isn't slightly psychological, uh, maybe you are conflicted because you're having sex outside of your marriage, albeit, okay, your, your wife's been ill, you haven't had sex with her, but you're still married. So maybe there's some conflict that's going on 
uh, for you. So I would say that that might be a psychological barrier to the, um, to the achievement of an erection. The other thing too, is when any man who has a consistent, who, who has consistent erectile dysfunction, uh, I immediately recommend that they go see a doctor and have some tests done because it's, it can be an indication of uh, blockages elsewhere in your body. There was a study done that showed that it's a precursor, like it was able to predict ED in men, for example, was able to predict, um, heart failure 10 years later after the erectile uh, dysfunction. So it's important that if it's consistently like this, that you have your cholesterol checked and your blood pressure checked and your heart checked and all of those things to make sure that there's not something else um, happening in your body. So that's, uh, that's really important. Uh, let's see. I was just wondering if it was true that all women are bisexual. I heard that they are all secretly attracted to one another. Is this true? Uh, no, this is not true. I'm not sure where, where you heard this. Um, bisexuality is itself an orientation, at least it's known to be an orientation where somebody is attracted to, uh, both genders, not always equally, but it's there. So you, yes, you have many women who are bisexual. You have women who don't identify as bisexual, but still, uh, may engage in sex with women, let's say in swinging relationships and what have you, even though they don't actually identify as bisexual because they're not attracted to it, but are simply attracted to the sex part of it. If that makes, uh, if that makes any sense. So I would say, uh, the answer is no. Although women, interestingly, women, it's easier for women to be, to have more intimate, I don't mean sexual, but intimate relationships with other women. You'll notice that it's easier for women, for example, to, um, to be more touchy feely with their friends, whereas guys, not so much. So maybe crossing that line into sexuality with women is less drastic, if you will, uh, which is why we sometimes see uh, women who've identified as straight for a long time ending up later in life meeting the right woman and then having a relationship with the woman. But I suppose if they look deep inside of themselves and see where their interest started, it probably was already there earlier on and they just kind of pushed it, uh, pushed it away. Not that they were, and, and so they probably were, um, more on the, uh, bisexual side. <laughs> I have a joke. Happy Halloween, Lori. Here are a few befitting jokes for you. How did the vampire, I didn't read it ahead of time. So <laughs> I don't know if I need a warning. How did the vampire perceive his betrayal of sleeping with his best friend's wife in retrospect as having been a grave mistake? But I'm bum. How does a vampire's behavior resemble that of your mother-in-law's? Regardless of what you say or do, you'll get your head bitten off nonetheless. 
Thank you for those uh, Halloween jokes. Always welcome. It's always good for a little laugh. Coming up, uh, Maître Linda Hammerschmidt will uh, will join us tonight, tonight uh, by phone, um, and we'll talk about prenuptial agreements and all things related to relationships and the law. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Relationships and the law tonight. Metro Linda Hammerschmidt joins us as she does every uh, last Thursday of every month. Happy Halloween, Linda. Happy wet Halloween, Lori. I know. Did anybody come to your door or was it canceled where you, where you are? Uh, theoretically, it wasn't canceled, but... <clears throat> I closed off my lights because my didn't want. <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't want uh, the dog uh, getting hysterical every time somebody <laughs> knock on the door. So, unless he's with a babysitter, Halloween is uh, not something. Is a I nightmare, do. poor dog. It's a nightmare <laughs> for poor Mac. Nightmare for all these people walking around in torrential rain. I don't understand why they were still walking. <laughs> well, that's why it was postponed till tomorrow. I guess we'll see tomorrow. Not in my area. No? Well, nope. I don't know. I didn't see anybody outside, so I have no clue. Uh, well, um, Linda, last night we were talking, we had a big conversation about interfaith dating and interfaith relationships. And lots of issues came up about like, you know, people who did not really talk about uh, how they were going, how it was going to play out, the re- like the different religions in their relationships, and often came out after, like when they had kids. I know you are a big advocate of like making sure you talk about all this stuff ahead of time. Is this something you can put in a prenuptial agreement? like religious upbringing of the children. Do we have Linda? Oh, did we lose you? All right, Aaron, try and get Linda back. Uh, Linda Hammerschmidt uh, is with us on this Halloween night, Relationships and the Law. We'll see if we can uh, if we can get her back. I hope it's not uh, the phone lines didn't go down all of a sudden. Um, we're going to talk about one of the questions I have for her is about uh, religious, like, what do you do in that situation? You know, um, the line was cut. Well, we'll see, Aaron. You'll see if you can get uh, if you can get through to to Linda. Um, it was such an interesting conversation because it was amazing to me how few people could actually like did not talk about these things ahead of time. And then when the kids came along, it was like, oh, I want to baptize my child Greek Orthodox. Now, what? What? We didn't talk about that. I thought we were going to, I thought you didn't care about religion. And I thought, you know, like I thought this, this or the other, but it was never really made clear. Hi, Linda, are you back? I'm here. Um, I guess okay, that good. was your Halloween trick on me. Yeah, well, m- not mine, <laughs> not mine. Uh, so I don't know how much you caught of that, but we were last night we were talking about interfaith relationships and uh, it was amazing to me how many people actually wrote in to say that they never had the conversation really ahead of time or they Nobody made... Nobody has a conversation, Lori, about anything. I know. Faith, money, children, I know. Will. I, I know. 
I know. Don't get on that. I know already. But <laughs> let's just help people. Let's not just give them crap. Um, you're right. A lot of people uh, went in there thinking that religion didn't matter or they got, were under the assumption that it wasn't a big deal. But then when kids came along, suddenly things you know, would pop up like, I want to, I want to give my child a bris, a circumcision. What? I didn't oh. think you, you know, or I want to baptize. School. Yeah. Or the schools. Exactly. That one came up where one couple, uh, was a, a mixed uh, culture couple, Armenian, I think, and, and Greek. And then it was like, no, I want my kid to go to Armenian school. No, I want Greek school. Like, so it was, and that came up after, not before. So my question was, and I said I would ask you, is in a prenuptial agreement, are these the kinds of things that would go in it? You mean that they're going to decide before they get married what schools they're going to put the children in, et cetera? Well, or, or how they're going to bring them up religiously, like whether they're, if they have a baby and it's a boy and are they going to circumcise? Any, uh, anything that has to do with children mm-hmm. can't be contracted, ah. you know, because it's always whatever the decision is to be in their best interest. And so, especially before you have children, uh, both parents or one of the parents is not necessarily going to have a full understanding of what they then think is in the best interest of their child. And the ultimate decider of all of this is the court. And even if they were to have a contract that said uh, the child has to go to, I don't know, Catholic school and Mm -hmm. going to go to private university and what like that can all be overridden. Uh, if somebody takes a motion and a, and a judge disagrees with what's written in the contract, because right. it's it's public order, uh, custody and the parental authority over children, and uh, so long long answer is no. I, you they can write it in. At least it would show that they had a talk. That's true. Well, that's what I was thinking. It may not be. But, it, but it's not binding. It's not binding. Well, you know what? The reality is, Linda, if, if they end up before the courts, that marriage is over. <laughs> like, like, at that point, if they're arguing over Usually. what to do with the kids and they end up before a judge, I'm not, I don't have too much faith in that relationship. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. I think that worst comes to worst if they haven't had all the appropriate talking before, and I'm surprised that either side's parents wouldn't have brought up the subject uh, uh, before the marriage, Um, then, you know, they'll have to figure it out. But at least, you know, they don't have to be in a prenup with a notary to write these things down, but they could have a side letter that they've discussed it or whatever for what that might be worth. At least somebody will be able to say, well, he agreed to that. She wanted this. Right. And again, that. it's not that it, it should be before a judge or legally, but sometimes, you know, people forget, you know, to, let's say five years in, I didn't say that. Well, you wrote it. We wrote it down together. Yep. So we, yes, that, we talked that, about that it. That you have my full support that that <laughs> should be done because, you know, as, as we said at the beginning, I think people should be talking all the time about all these subjects before, during, and after. Yes, I'm I'm in complete uh, agreement with you. I just think oftentimes people think love is enough to get them through, and they'll you know oh we'll figure it out later. No, or, figure or it out worse, before. they 
or worse, they figure that the bringing the subject up isn't romantic. He'll think right. he doesn't trust me. Right. Uh, wh- why are you asking me about this? And so on, cause problems. But, yeah. it, you know, if it causes problems, it's the clue right then and there that perhaps this isn't the marriage uh, uh, to be uh, to be uh, made in heaven. Yeah, and exactly. And it's going to have more problems than success down the road. Yeah, if you have questions for Maitre Linda Hammerschmidt, uh, 514-800. She is a family law attorney and is uh, happy to answer all of your questions. Uh, here's one for you. I'm getting divorced. My wife wants to keep the house. She wants to buy me out, but doesn't have the money. I don't want the house and she refuses to sell. What do I do now? Can a, a spouse just refuse to sell? <clears throat> they can refuse to sell. Doesn't mean that's what what's going to happen. But uh, the the part that's missing, and maybe they could uh, text you back, is is the house jointly owned or is it singly owned? Was it owned by one of them before the marriage? Was it fully? Uh, no, paid I, off? I think it was owned by both. I think it's just okay, it's owned so by both. Yeah. Right away, nobody is obliged to stay in what we call in division of property. So if uh, and it's the husband, I gather in the, in this scenario. In this scenario, it's the husband. Wants yeah. To se- wants to sell it, and she doesn't. He has to take a motion to, uh, you know, force the listing of the of the uh, property with or without her consent. Oh, you can do that. You can force the listing of the property. Well, yes, because nobody is obliged to be a joint owner of anything. <laughs> right. So if you if you have a joint ownership of a property, a a horse, a car, whatever it is, you can, uh, and the other person doesn't agree to whatever it is uh, that uh, the other wants to do, the only resolution is to go to court and have a judge decide. Okay, because, yeah, it doesn't make sense that, the, you know, I want to buy you out. I can't buy you out. I don't want to sell the house. Well, then what the heck? Like, what are you no. supposed to do there? I'm stuck paying the bills for, yeah, for what? Yeah, in, in, inside of the divorce, you can t- they can take, the person can take a motion to what, what I call act alone and uh, sell uh, the former common domicile, shall we say. You know, okay. if she wants to find somebody to buy out because in the motion – he would uh, have a I want to listed at this price. Probably get a three uh, real estate agents to give a, what they think it is, so that you can put that in your motion okay. to tell a judge, give them some idea of what the house should be listed at. And a judge can even go as far as to say what the upset price is, and that if you get, you know, let, let's say the house is five hundred thousand, you're going to list it for five fifty. But if somebody's nobody's been making an offer, and finally somebody makes an offer at four fifty. Uh, it has to be sold. Mm-hmm. You know, there's many different ways of drafting the motion and getting right. the job done. You think a mediator can solve this kind of thing, or uh, sure, a usually... medi- mm-hmm. mediator can can certainly help the parties try to come to an agreement. But again, she's adamant about not selling the house. Then it's still going to have to be court. Right. And the longer you stay in mediation, if you really need your money out of your house, well, and <clears throat> Time is a wasting kind of a thing. Right, right, right. If you have questions for Metro Linda Hammerschmidt, please send them along at 514-800. Of course, you can always call us at 514-790-0800, especially if you have a case that is a, a, a little bit complicated. I know Metro Linda likes to have a, a little bit more details. Uh, coming up, answering a question about what to expect when one does go to a mediator. 
Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Relationships and the law tonight with Metro Linda Hammerschmidt. Uh, she joins us the last Thursday of every month and has been uh, with us for years now dispensing legal advice, family uh, law uh, advice. So if you ha- are going through a divorce or uh, you're going through a separation, custody questions, she can answer those questions for you. 514-800 to text in or 514-790-0800. Uh, so person writes in, what can I expect when we go to a mediator? Well, uh, normally speaking, the mediator has a first session where uh, uh, the process is explained to both parties. Uh, there's a, usually a contract signed uh, with the mediator specifying in particular uh, either the, the fees uh, payable, if it's a private mediator, or the amount of sessions that are uh, paid for by the government Mm -hmm. if you have children. And the fact that no matter what's said in the mediation, it's confidential and no one can subpoena the mediator at a future Ah. uh, divorce trial to come and say, he said this, she said that, he admitted this, and so on. Uh, They they won't come. And uh, then the mediator sets the... and I assume that each mediator has a bit of their own way of handling a mediation, Uh, will ask the parties to bring financial information, to fill out a budget, to see the needs and the abilities to pay of the parties, uh, talk about the the custody if there are children and uh, the arrangements that are going to be made, um, and visitation, should that apply, depending on the age of the children. And uh, assuming that the parties finally come to an agreement uh, on all these issues, and it doesn't have to be all, it can be a partial agreement, you'd have to fight out something else in court. Okay. Uh, the mediator uh, sets out in uh, point form usually uh, what the parties have agreed to, and then they're supposed to take that to A or a few, two lawyers, one lawyer, two lawyers, to put it into legalese and file the paperwork to get them divorced. Ah. Theoretically, a mediator is not supposed to also be the lawyer that files the divorce proceeding because they're not supposed to be implicated in in that. That's not their role as a mediator because they're not supposed to represent people. They're supposed to just facilitate uh, an arrival at a settlement. Right. And that's about it. Uh, As I said, each mediator uh, over years of uh, doing it have their own ways of proceeding, but that's generally the gist. And they ask people to, uh, you know, make full disclosure of the numbers involved uh, for uh, the assets and uh, revenues of the parties, but they don't have any power to order anybody to do anything. So one person doesn't want to fully disclose, well, then the other side has to decide uh, if they want to come to an agreement anyway. And it's very hard after the fact to say, well, I didn't have all this information, and had I known, I would have decided something else. You right, know? Because right. Because either if the, you see in mediation that uh, your partner is not providing the information that's being requested, uh, then you should cease mediation and, and, and get a lawyer and, and do it the other way. Right. Okay, good. Uh, a couple more uh, texts here for you, uh, Linda. Um, yeah. I have a question that I'm hoping you may be able to help me with. I own a house, 
my boyfriend may be moving in with me in the future. Is there such a thing as a written agreement to make sure the house and increase in value remains is untouchable by him? Is this an issue after a certain number of years? Does he automatically become my legal partner and share in my assets? Here's where people don't know about common law. <laughs> well, you know, I hate that term. I know. Because, because it doesn't exist. Because it doesn't exist. <laughs> Yeah, but you never know what the government's going to decide, you know. True. I mean, uh, you can't wear religious symbols and whatever. They're always coming up with new fandangled ways to make our lives miserable. <laughs> so, uh, you know, right now, at this absolute time, uh, he would have no entitlement to the house that she owns. However, if she lets him start, you know, doing construction work and adding an addition and changing the windows and God knows what else, uh, and he pays for all of that, uh, he might have a claim for what's called unjustified enrichment. Mm. So the long, uh, long way around to say, yes, a cohabitation contract is most advisable uh, to specify, uh, you know, what might happen in the event that they split and he has done something or that he forgoes asking for anything and that it's crystal clear that the property remains and any increased value remains uh, that of the person who owned the house to start with, except for, as I said, they have to decide what's going to happen if he contributes to the renovations, shall we say. Or... What about if he contributes to, like, pays her, uh, I don't know, half the mortgage? Well, he has to live somewhere, doesn't he? So as far as I'm concerned, that's not a contribution to the asset. Okay. That's maintenance. And he has an obligation to pay his fair share. Of rent. The, right. And that's something else that they can put in an agreement, depending on uh, who's uh, who earns what, the percentage of what should be paid by one and what should be paid by the other. Right. But you don't get to claim that back, because if he wasn't living with her, he'd be somewhere else paying rent. Right. Or whatever. Makes Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So uh, a, a cohabitation agreement in this case would be a good thing. Well, I think it's a good thing in all cases. In all cases, Simply yeah. because it gets the people talking about issues. Yes, and if you've got something, you know, then you want to have that in writing. Uh, another question. My kids were entrusted to me by youth protection. This is the fourth time they've been involved because of concerns of neglect by the mother. To get my kids, I had to leave the mother. However, she has custody of my oldest son, and I'm worried that when Youth Protection closes the file, she will try to take him from me through the police. Any advice? Well, in all of that, it doesn't say, are they married, or they just happen to have children together. So I sort of Let's like assume to know they're that. married, but yeah. Yeah, but he should take a motion just because youth court's involved. He can go to superior court and ask for custody. Right, okay. Especially so. now if if uh, all these four charges at youth court have been against the mother, he certainly will have ample uh, ammunition exactly. to uh, support his claim for custody of the son. Assuming that the son's not 16, he's going to say, I'm going to live with my mother, and who cares about you, Dad? Right, 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 if it's a younger person. Yeah. Uh, and on that same vein, this text writes, for the protection and hence general mental, emotional, and physical well-being of helpless children, not to mention the inadvertent contribution to society, why doesn't the law deem it mandatory for pregnant couples to enroll in proper parenting courses 
prior to having children. <laughs> because, this person's your friend. <laughs> they don't get, they don't, it should be mandatory that they take a finance class. Yeah. Yeah, and it should be mandatory to see if they're even apt to have children. Never mind, take care of them after they've had them if they're actually apt. Because some people out there, they're psychos. Yeah. <laughs> shouldn't have children. Yep. And the same law should apply to anybody that's getting a pet. Because yeah. there's a lot of people out there that own dogs and cats that have no business owning pets yeah. or having children. There you go. Oh, my. Oh, my. Uh, Look Ma- what you started. I know. I, I, I'm always afraid. Uh, Metro Linda Hammerschmidt <laughs> is here. Call her the Grinch. I don't know. Uh, she's here to answer your questions. Man, the really ugly side of relationships. 514-800. Another question coming up about uh, forcing a, an ex-spouse to see their children is another situation. This is Passion on CJAD 800. Relationships and uh, the law. Maître Linda Hammerschmidt joins us. Uh, so the texter wrote back, it, it, they weren't married, they're common law with these kids. <laughs> and uh, he says, they say, this is he says, they say with youth protection involved, we can't go to superior court. I don't know if, I don't know what, what, who's they, but... Well, they, I assume, is the people at youth court. Okay. The administration. So you couldn't go to superior court if your case is in youth court, I guess. Well, then you should get prepared, and the minute they close the file, they should go to superior court. Okay. Makes sense. Um, here's well, a... I, I would try anyway, simply because then he'd at least be on the record that he, he wants this. Right. And so she's not trying to, uh, I don't know, abscond with the child in question. Right. I assume there's more than one child from the way yes, the original a... question uh, was Yes, there's a, a few children, yes. Yeah. Uh, all right, here's a question for you, Linda. Uh, my ex-husband wants very little to do with our kids. Can I force him to see them? A uh, quick answer is no. But oh. what she can do is take a motion to increase child support. Because he's not taking his fair share of time, okay. and so uh, she's going to have extra costs. For example, if she ever wants to go out and have a break instead of the father who normally takes the kids, okay. <laughs> minimally Friday, to Sunday night, or Monday, and she never gets a break, so she has every weekend that she has to deal with the kids, uh, she would have to hire somebody to look after the kids. It's an expense, whatever, that, you know... She, Everybody needs a break from their kids. Absolutely. So for their own mental health mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and extra babysitters and whatever it is and, and ask for that. Now, that might inspire him to see the children more often, but then I have to ask anybody that doesn't want to already see their kids, do you really want them to see the kids? I know, but how sad. To me, this is so heartbreaking sad, for the but, kids. You know, Imagine you the kids to... feeling like their father doesn't want to see them. Yeah, well, it's better than spending time with somebody in your face knowing they don't want to see you. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. It's like trying to to be... And had to be forced to see you, you know? Yeah. Some people, example, from what we were talking about before, should not be parents. (laughs) Yeah, you have a couple of fans on that one. A couple of texters said, wholeheartedly agree. Yes, you got it. (laughs) Yeah, well, until I'm running the the fiefdom here... uh... (laughs) 
I don't think anybody's ever going right. to come up with these uh, uh, sensible laws as opposed to the ones that uh, they just make everything more complicated every time they put pen to paper. Yeah. You should go into politics, Linda, because you don't have anything Yeah, well, else I don't to have, do. uh, l- like former Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau used to fuddle duddle in the House of Commons. I don't have the patience for these people. I'd be screaming in the middle of you a, really, a room. You really going, would be. Are you a complete moron over there? But I, I just couldn't. <laughs> I, I wanted to go into politics. I had a whole thing when I was Did uh, you? 10 years old on uh, written on a paper as to what I was going to do when I was the Prime Minister. Oh, my but goodness. I, but I realized with time that I don't have the patience to deal with morons. So... <laughs> You crack me up, you know that? (laughs) Well, I don't, but at least I'm honest about it. Oh, you are. We know exactly how you feel about everything. You don't... Painfully honest. Painfully honest. You don't mince words at all. But I guess this is... Why bother? No, you're right. And this is what people want in in people who are helping them too, right? As a lawyer, you don't want anybody to mince words. You you want the the straight stuff. All right, uh, here's a question for you, and this is probably a little difficult, though. Uh, what Uh-oh. do I do if I have no money for a lawyer? I've been a stay-at-home mom with no job. My ex has completely cut off my access to money. What do I do? My first question is, is there life insurance? <laughs> okay, stop. <laughs> All I said was ask an innocent question. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I don't know what the what the title of the house is or whatever, but she actually has no job and no money and no access to money, then she should be entitled to legal aid. Even if she's living in a a, a nice home and and the well, husband has the money. Well, owner of the house. Well, I suppose if they're married, doesn't she have access? No, no. Legal title, the deed. Okay. Unless she's actually has an asset registered in her name, the house. Okay. Joe Blow and Frida Schwartz are the joint owners of this house. If it's just his name, then she doesn't have an asset in her name, which is good if you want legal aid. If she has half of an asset, then that's a problem. Okay. And then she's going to have to either, uh, you know, find friends that are willing to help pay or try pro bono service out of the Bar of Quebec or check that in a life insurance policy. <laughs> Stop. Okay, so going through, you can go to the 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 bar barreau of Quebec and see some people do uh, help out and do pro bono work. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, okay, that's an option for uh, for yeah, people. Well, also, she try legal aid though. Right, but that's if she's got if she, if her name's not on. on yeah, the she, home, yeah. You know. because obviously if she was sitting on a pile of money, we, she wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. It's just that if, you know, like I'm thinking of the situations where you do have this, the stay at home mom, where the decision was made, you stay home, you raise the kids. This allows me to go out to work, make money. I see this in, you know, sometimes very well to do couples where the women end up with absolutely like the, their hands are tied uh, when they divorce because the the partner who manages and controls all the money is well, no, no offense but it's a trade-off because some people are accepting that role also because they, it comes with a certain lifestyle right and instead of buying that fifth Louis Vuitton bag, take the money and put it in a bank account only in your name, and at least at the end of the day, you'll have some money 
under your uh, auspices to to work with, because being financially uh, distraught in these kind of relationships makes it only all the worse because you don't want to leave because you feel you can't leave and you can't stay. And so, uh, you know, it's it's tragic, but it all starts with the, they didn't have the conversation before. Right. I think it's a good idea when you've got, when, when that decision is made in a couple where one stays at home, that she gets a salary from the partner, some, 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 salary that she can put away and have some independence because it doesn't feel good to be completely 100% dependent on a partner for anything you need. All of which can be put into a marriage contract before the I do's are said. Yeah. Well, what if you don't know? I'm going to get X amount of dollars for every year of marriage if I'm not working and you're the only one that's controlling the purse strings, but I'm still going to get that's a good idea. 10,000, 20,000, 100,000, whatever the level is, whatever, and you put it away. You don't then turn around and spend it on crap. Right. You know, yeah, you put it, make sure you have it. On. Yeah, make sure you have it just in case. Yeah. Yeah. A nest egg, sort of, so to speak. And if you never get divorced, great. <laughs> then you'll have then you'll money have... for the home down the road <laughs> that you can live in luxury. And then if you do, you'll still be able to feel like you're a, a valid, worthwhile person and not at the mercy of, the of somebody else. Because you didn't talk to them beforehand about what was going to be on finances. Yeah, that's quite true. And, and one... please, ladies out there, don't sign papers about corporations just because it's put in front of you. Right. Because And you don't know what it is that you're signing. That's a good good advice right there. And, and l- never sign anything with anybody ever without having a copy. Okay. Good. Good advice tonight. And one last text for you. I agree okay. with you, Linda, as I can relate. However, a little patience goes a long way in ultimately preventing more such morons from reproducing within our legal system. So go for it. Absolutely agree with that. (laughs) On that note, happy Halloween. Enjoy (laughs) the rest of your night. (laughs) Take care. Talk to you in November. All right. Talk to you then. Thank you so much uh, for your questions tonight. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks to Aaron Lakoff, our technical producer. If you want to connect with me on uh, social media, you can do that at Dr. Lori Batito. You can also check out drlori.com where you can get in touch with me and also uh, catch up on some past shows. All the podcasts are right there uh, for you to uh, download whenever you'd like. Uh, Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a wonderful rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.